Welcome to the Strong for Performance podcast, where we give coaches and consultants practical ideas for taking you to the next level in your business and in your life. I'm your host, Meredith Bell. I interview experts who've walked in your shoes and offer real-world experience that you can apply to your own journey. Welcome to another episode of the Strong for Performance podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Bell, and I am so delighted today to have with me as my guest, Lance Hazard. Lance, welcome to my show. Meredith, it's a pleasure to be here with you today. Well, one of the reasons I'm so excited about having you on the program is you have this unique perspective of corporate and executive coach external. And Lance is the president of Opta, Opna, excuse me, Executive and Achievement Coaching. He is an executive coach and he's also the author of a wonderful new book called Accelerating Leadership, How to Integrate Executive Coaching in Your Organization. I've read this and it's excellent. I'm very excited about going deeper with you today, Lance, into some of the things that you've done. And I know you have a vast experience in HR leadership in a number of Fortune 100 companies. And so I'd love to have you start with telling us a little bit about your journey from being a human resources vice president to an executive coach now with your own firm. Yes. Well, thank you, uh, Meredith. It's a great question. Um, So my, my first introduction to executive coaching actually took place in 2003. I was a senior director of human resources at the time working for uh, Medtronic, a leading healthcare uh, solutions organization. And um, I was offered the opportunity to work with an executive coach. So I was actually the client. And I went through a six month process where I uh, had you know, various assessments done. I had 360 reviews. And then I worked with um, a coach who really uh, helped me understand my values. Uh, We worked on some defined goals. And um, I I saw firsthand the power and promise of coaching. Uh, So fast forward 10 years later, um, uh, I was now a vice president. I got promoted about a year after that executive coaching opportunity that I went through. Uh, And my company, Medtronic, went through the process of saying, we're going to bring more coaching inside. And they reached out to the HR leadership team to say, who do you know? that might want to become a coach. We will train um, leaders as coaches. Um, It'll take about nine months to a year to go through this training process, but the expectation and the return on that investment is that we would expect uh, people that go through this development to coach two to four people per year. Um, And I identified some leaders that I thought would be great and that I knew wanted this type of development, but I also raised my hand uh, because I wanted to help people like I had been helped. Um, So uh, 2013, I went through the first uh, Medtronic uh, coaching cadre. About 24 of us went through this process, all directors and vice presidents, to uh, learn this coaching to help others uh, reach their full potential. So... Uh, That was the second version, and I started liking coaching so much, uh, I realized in 2016 
that I might do this in the next phase of my career. So uh, effective January 1 of 2017, I opened my own executive coaching practice uh, where I specialize in executive organizational and career coaching. And now I also do some uh, consulting around not only HR, but really how to install a coaching culture in an organization. That's great. I, I just love the fact that you went from being coached yourself to be doing it internally and then also doing it externally. So you've kind of covered all those bases. And that was one of the things that I thought came across really loud and clear in your book is your experience in those various roles really shaped the approach that you take now with uh, when you go into an organization. And I love the fact that you are not looking at it in isolation with just you and the person that you are coaching. And I would love for you to, to spend a little bit of time talking about your model there in the book, because it was unique from anything I've read or studied in the past about who should be involved when a coach is brought in to work with a promising uh, leader, whether it's an aspiring leader or an existing leader um, who wants to improve performance. Yeah. Um, thank you. Um, just before I jump into that, I'll just say that my, my co-author, Eric Hicks, uh, also has some similar experience to mine where he was an L&D leader in corporate America, most recently at Cigna, and um, has helped coach both internally and externally as well. So we're, we're kind of coming that, at this as industry insiders that know how coaching works. We work with you know, external coaches within companies, we've helped develop coaching within or and coaches within their organization and now have done it externally. Um, so I think one of the things that's unique here is we have this perspective and it really goes into details in, in the book uh, about how to do this, about getting the executive sponsor, which is, you know, who's usually the, um, the manager, for uh, the person being coached, uh, not always, but usually, um, and the HR partner for that person being coached, uh, and getting them more involved in the process. Uh, many times, uh, organizations just leave it to the coach and to the client to work together and get reports back and you know alignment meetings, periodic meetings, or uh, completion meetings, but we feel that the development will be faster, the client will learn, more and better by having also the executive sponsor and the HR partner somehow involved in this process. They were already involved in picking the person for the development and perhaps outlined in what the, what the client's gonna work on with the coach, but they can be really also involved in the whole coaching process to accelerate the learning development of the coaching client in a faster way. How do you sell those two people on this model? Because I can imagine uh, one potential reaction could be, oh, one more thing to do. But I'm sure based on your experience inside the organization, you've seen where if these people are not involved, the results are probably not as, as, as positive. Is that accurate? Yes. Um, so, one of the things I do in an alignment meeting where uh, the sponsor's always there, uh, uh, at times the HR partner's there too, is I, I create this 
agreement where um, don't wait just for me and the, and, the, and the client to work together. We're meeting, you know, once or twice a month, right? Um, but it's the opportunity because the, the sponsor is seeing the client work literally almost every day or at least every week, depending on where they're at, ge you know, geographically. So the client is seeing, um, or excuse me, the, the, the executive sponsor is seeing how the coaching client is taking in the coaching and progressing through their coaching goals. And they're going to be able to see, Hey, did this, um, this person just, you know, this is one of his or her goals and they just did a fantastic job. How do I give feedback to that person to let them know that? Uh, likewise, uh, at times they're going to see regression, right? Regression back to the normal way they've been doing it all along. Right. How do you ask coaching questions about, Hey, how did that go for you? Uh, you know, what, what could have gone better? Um, you know, what would you do if you had to do it again? But a, a number of different coaching related questions to get the coaching client involved in how that could have gone better as opposed to just saying, work with your coach on this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's that in, it's ingraining the learning, right? Yeah. Not only the praise on when they've done it well, which helps ingrain the learning, but some coaching questions when it could have gone better. And that's what's going to accelerate that learning process. Yes. What, what you're really talking about is this whole communication element where, mm -hmm. and commitment and accountability, because we think of the coaching client as the one that's being held accountable, but the way that you're structuring this, the different players are all accountable for their roles. And if they're not playing them correctly, then something's going to fall through the cracks potentially. Right. Or maybe if it doesn't fall through the crack, is it getting the development and that return that you really want? So in other words, um, by, by having more full engagement of the sponsor and the HR partner, they've already chosen this person for the coaching opportunity, right? They're already invested. Right. Um, what, what it does is tend to, um, it, it tends to reinforce that we are working with you as well to help you get to where you want to be and where we want you to be, which is a better place, you know, potentially a higher level leadership or a more effective um, leader in your current role. But uh, by giving you feedback, that's how we learn, right? So uh, we, we think this model is somewhat unique. Um, we've not seen a lot of this stuff out there. So we thought we um, had a point of view we wanted to share. Well, the other thing that to me is a real strength of that particular section is you give real examples of scripts or questions uh, related to giving both positive feedback and giving constructive feedback on the part of both the sponsor and the HR person. So the reader is able to really get a clear idea of what does that look like if I'm in this role. So they're hopefully less intimidated. The other thing I was thinking as I was listening to you describe that, the, the coaching client, it seems to me, feels more supported. Uh, that they're not just out there alone with the coach, but that these other individuals genuinely care by the way they interact with them. And that, 
that has a lot to do, I would think, with their motivation and commitment in following through with the development. Yeah, um, you know, they, they come to realize um, this is quite an investment in me. If I'm the client, you know, this, I realized this back in 2003 when I was coach. This is quite an investment in me. Um, how do I get the most out of this investment? And if, if I have not only a coach, but my sponsor and my HR partner um, more engaged in that process that allows me to learn quicker, then um, I'm going to feel very supported as a client. And um, so we, we think this is a unique opportunity. So not only for organizations that want to um, install coaching and integrate coaching, but for coaches who want to gain that further commitment from the sponsor and HR on how they can play a role in, um, in really helping develop that coaching client uh, on a faster and better basis. And thinking about my listeners who are coaches working inside organizations, when you get this kind of buy-in from the sponsor and HR and they see the value of this integrated approach, it seems to me that you would get more coaching clients as a result because you're going to get, uh, they're, they're experiencing firsthand the impact of having that kind of involvement and also that your coaching client is achieving better results. Is that, yes. is that accurate? Is that a likely thing that might happen? I think it, I think it is. Um, plus organizationally, um, more people as more people are involved in the coaching process and more clients go through coaching in any organization you have managers and hr partners uh, more engaged in the coaching process it, you're actually developing a coaching culture in a in a much more vivid way in a much more realistic way um, and it works with executive coaches that are external to the company it works with internal coaches um, at, uh, that are working within a, an organization where you get that sponsor, HR, the coach involved with the client's development. Uh, it's a win-win. Let's talk a little bit about that organization-wide coaching culture. What do you mean by that uh, when you say a coaching culture and how do you see that working as a result of the process that you're describing? Yeah, you know, um, there's a body of work out there that's starting to take place that's shown that organizations, and this is public organization, private organizations, small and large, that are using more coaching methodology um, are, are actually getting better results, okay? Uh, you get more retention of your key people, and you, you, you get processes um, for success with people development that are repeatable. So, you know, you're getting a result retention and repeatability and, and you're seeing how the organization by using coaching techniques as opposed to command and control techniques are getting better results uh, organizationally and with their people. So this type of process where you can embed coaching more into the organization, you start developing a coaching culture. It's not just about Yes, we, we supply executive coaches to our executives, and that's it. It's we start developing coaching throughout the organization where sponsors, HR, and others in the organization 
are all involved in trying to lift each other up to reach full potential, both at work or at home. So um, it becomes a powerful trigger for development. Yeah, so a coaching culture, really, we're talking about how people interact with each other, basically, yes. right? Instead of telling, there's a, a skill of learning how to ask questions. And I would think that as, as a, a person goes through the experience of being coached and being asked questions, they start integrating that and being able to apply it with their own direct reports. Do you see that kind of a carryover happening? Yes, we've seen that a lot um, because uh, the people that you coach really come to value this and, and they realize that they're in um, the process of developing the solution. So the, the solution becomes their own. And so they start using these same questions uh, or types of questions and the, the behaviors they're learning with their staff and others. So um, the ask, not tell version of management starts getting ingrained in a broader perspective. Mm -hmm. so it becomes powerful. That's great. Could you give a quick example of, say, a client that has successfully used the sponsor HR model along with, of course, the coach and the coachee, and what a difference that's made if you can think of a specific client you've worked with. Yeah, there, this is not out there a lot right now. So I'm starting to develop this and use this model with, with the people I'm using. So like I said, in the, um, in the alignment meeting where I'm having with the manager, HR, if they're present, and the client, I, I ask for that commitment. You know, when you see, you know, we, once we've agreed on the goals, when you see that this client is making, you know, real progress on a goal, um, do you feel comfortable giving them or her that feedback? Yes, I do. More importantly now, when you see them slip back to their pri previous ways, will you, you know, so I get their commitment, will you? ask some coaching questions and give them feedback so that they can work through how they can do it better next time. So I'm, I'm literally as a coach, I am gaining that commitment for this from sponsor in the alignment meeting and really working with the client throughout, you know, to have them get some feedback from their stakeholders, which are, you know, their sponsor and HR partner to say, how is this going? Here's what I've been doing. What have you, what have you seen? What have you observed? And um, what are you hearing? So to seek out that feedback. One of the things that I, I was just thinking about as you were talking about that, uh, the, it's sort of improving the coaching skills going upward as well, not just for that coaching client to use with his or her own direct reports, but the person's manager and then also the person in HR is having to practice those coaching skills, the coaching questions, which again supports that whole culture uh, permeating the entire organization. So I think that's a real strength of the approach that you're taking. Yeah, thank you. I um, and that's what I seem to be finding. Um, you know, it's 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 always interesting. I'm I'm an HR professional uh, turned coach. Um, Years ago, I would have thought, you know, 
do I need coaching training? Because I'm already an HR professional. I, I work with this stuff all the time. And once I would, you know, was coached and going through the specific coaching training, I realized, no, this is a specific body of knowledge, skill set. Yeah. Uh, and you really have to work to get good at it. So um, the more you do it, just like anything else, repetition, the more you do it, it becomes more ingrained and you're able to do it better, um, you know, what get to unconscious competence, right? Where you exactly. can do it, you know, naturally. Yes. And not think through it. So yeah. it, it takes work. So it seems like with this approach you're taking, there's actually an, oppor uh, an opportunity. I don't know if I'd call it training, but for you to provide development for some of these people that are going to be involved, the sponsor and the HR folks, to help them get ready. So there's almost a readiness of the organization to be open to having the involvement of these other individuals. Yes, um, that's that's one of my hopeful next steps on developing. Uh, and and one of the things I'm doing is is um, uh, working to consult with some companies on how to do this. Uh, literally, uh, developing the materials to uh, to make this work now. So uh, yeah. And, yeah. and, and right, they're really right in chapter three so of the book. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. You really do provide a nice blueprint for an yeah. organization that is open to this. And I would think that's really a key uh, element uh, when you're evaluating the, the match between yourself and a client is if they have an existing culture that's open to having these individuals get involved because if there's resistance that means there's a lot more uh uphill work for you to do <laughs> i would yeah. think i think um you're right I, I, what i'm finding is uh, you know in 2019 people that are going to coaching um usually they know that the organization's investing in them and it's a good thing, right? You know, it's like, I find out you're getting a coach and I'm going, well, you, how do I get a coach? Right. Right. <laughs> Where right. 20 years ago, you know, if you were assigned a coach, it was like, what'd you do wrong? <laughs> mm -hmm. And oh, you're getting fixed, right? Well, that's not, that's not, that's not what coaching is about anymore. Uh, organizations are really, um, really, coaching, you know, they're strong, high performers uh, to, that they see can grow in the organization and be in future leaders. So it's really to, um, in, you know, get that uh, trajectory of leadership and, and growth to go faster. So, yes. you know. Yeah, and I love that about your title too, Accelerating Leadership. Well, of course, one of my favorite chapters was around assessments because that's near and dear to my heart since we're a software company that has assessment and development tools. I was uh, interested in your take though on the different kinds of assessments, excuse me, that as a coach, you like to have leaders go through before you actually start or at the beginning of the coaching process. So talk a little bit about those kinds of assessments. Yes. Um, so assessments are, are being used more and more in business. I think, uh, you know, we've probably seen them most often in the hiring or promotion process, right? You know, is this person a good fit? Does this job align with values and, um, and, and our needs based on the job they're going to do or the job they're going to be promoted into? 
So you see those type of assessments. Uh, coaching assessments are, um, you know, also used um, mainly for development. And uh, so the, the the coaching assessments that are, are being used out there, and there are many, um, really help to um, uh, for the client and coach to work together. That an assessment as it, it becomes, um, you know, shared with the, the client really helps the client understand how other people are seeing them uh, and gives the coach and the client uh, some specific things to really work on in the coaching process. Um, so really the most, um, uh, the number one type of assessment out there is the standard 360. Uh, so that's, you know, like the number one used. Uh, so it's, it's coming back to you. This is what, you know, people above you, below you, and peers, this is how they see you or how they respond to these questions. Uh, the second one would be where the coach is actually doing some stakeholder interviews on a specific question. How does this client do with respect to this area of, you know, uh, of the so job? Like a verbal 360. Yeah. So it's really a verbal 360, but um, they're, they're both, you know, quantitative as well as qualitative to some extent, right? Sure. Uh, so they're real, you know, they give some, some real input for the coach to be able to use with the client. Um, so other than that, then you start getting to, you know, Hogan assessments, uh, which has been really one of the fastest growing assessments uh, in the external market. You get into, you know, things that we've all probably seen before, some shape, Myers-Briggs, you get uh, emotional intelligence, which has come in right after the Hogan as uh, a very popular assessment. You get DISC, Strength Finders, and many others. Um, so there are a lot of great um, tools to be used and assessments to be used um, out there. Well, one of the things I think is so important is this idea of having some perspective from others about where your strengths are and where they see your opportunities for development because too often we, have, we, we all have blind spots. So it's, it's different if you were to sit down with that individual one-on-one -on -one and ask, what do you think is your number one for their own opinion of it versus what others say? Because typically we're unaware of some of our worst offenses. Because I, I remember getting 360s myself and just kind of going, whoa. I didn't know I did that. And um, so do you find that kind of reaction? Do you find any resistance or denial or defensiveness when you're sharing 360 feedback with a client? Sometimes all of the above. And just like, you know, in your example where, oh, well, I didn't know that. I, you know, I remember some of the first assessment feedback that I got. And I'm, I'm, I'm sharing this with my wife, right? And I'm saying, well, this, is, this is what I'm being told. And she said, I've been telling you that for years. <laughs> um, so, you know, as, as, as a client getting this information, you know, it's always great to hear what, what strengths people see in us. Uh, sometimes they'll, they'll, they'll identify strengths that we don't even understand ourselves, right? Yeah. Um, because they're, it's so natural for somebody in, in a certain area. They don't see it as a strength, but it really is. Um, we all have gaps, you know, to the point you made. We all have some areas of development, some gaps that if, if we know about them and if we want to step into getting better at them, 
yeah. we can and working through them um, with with a coach or other stakeholders like your sponsor, HR partner, can really help get um, get through those gaps. And so you get you improve, and uh, they may never become towering strengths, but they won't be derailers if you work through them. Yeah, that's such an important point because I think sometimes people feel like, oh. I'm supposed to turn these weaknesses into strengths. Well, no, just make it so people can work effectively with you. And you're like you say, they're not derailers after all. Yeah, and yes, and sometimes it's it's you know some real subtle stuff that you work you know through. Uh, you know, myself being coach, I was still doing ninety percent of what I did in in a certain fashion, but it was redefining the ten or fifteen percent that I really could change to. Uh, to do in a better way, and 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 when I work with clients on you know some of their developmental gaps or, or some of the areas that they want to improve in, um, they they can start seeing that it's it can be fairly subtle, but a shift that is perceived very differently. Yes, yeah. Sometimes we don't see the the change as dramatically as others do. Uh, that interact with us. So, and that ties into me with another aspect of assessment, which is at the end of the coaching engagement, whatever the length of time is, what are some ways that you either reassess or demonstrate there's been a return on investment? And you have a whole chapter on that in the book. I just, that's such an important aspect. If companies are going to be investing in a major way in coaching, how do they know if it's worked? Yeah, uh, great question. I, I don't know of a corporation or any kind of organization that spends money that doesn't kind of think through, well, what am I getting for this money? Right. You know, what's the return? Um, so uh, there, there are a lot of ways to measure that coaching um, engagement to say, has this made a difference? Um, and more and more organizations are, are starting to do that. So uh, with the individual, it can be as simple as a, you know, a pre-coaching assessment on what it is you want to really work on. You know, here are the six or seven things or three key things that we're going to work on um, uh, with the stakeholders. How do you see this person, you know, uh, in these areas? So you get that feedback. Then you do a post-assessment. How do you see this person now after going through coaching? And uh, has there been a positive change, uh, no change, or has, you know, has it been negative? Uh, so you can actually get some good quantitative and qualitative work by doing some pre and post assessments. And, that, and we go into details on how to do that. But you, you also start seeing some other things. More, more and more companies are using um, some level of all-employee or organizational survey to look at uh, organizational health and they're measuring things like engagement or inclusion or innovation um, and although some people might say well these are soft measures they're really not they're they're the measures that leading companies look at absolutely um, and when you're looking at reviews of how companies are viewed from glass door best places to work um, all of a sudden these are leading Hard measures, not 
not soft measures. And coaching um, has been shown in some organizations that track this, that the people going through coaching and their organizations, uh, they're getting better scores than um, other people at similar levels in the organization that aren't getting the coaching. So all of a sudden you're starting to say, wait a second, uh, these folks are having uh, a higher level of retention for their key staff. Um, they're having greater engagement scores or innovation scores or inclusion scores. People want to work for this manager or want to work for this, you know, entity that they're in. Um, so they're starting to track some of some of this stuff. Um, and, and it's very, very exciting to see some of this stuff happen with uh, definitive measures. That's great. And I think you're right. The difference when we say soft versus hard, when you're talking about this whole idea of engagement and other ways that employees feel valued, that has everything to do with retention and reducing turnover. And that's a huge cost savings. Yeah. Well, think about it. Today, we have the lowest level of unemployment in any, you know, in our lifetime, you know, over 50 years, right? So, you know, all of us that, that have been in the markets for years and years, it's the lowest level of unemployment ever. Um, employees can gladly, you know, pick up and leave and go someplace else for the most part. So how do you, you know, having and developing that engaging organization uh, in a coaching culture becomes more and more critical today than ever before. Absolutely. Well, Lance, this has been so much fun. I've just loved the things that you've shared. And I highly recommend people pick up a copy of your book because you go into so much more detail than we could possibly cover in our time together today. Tell us how people can get your book, Accelerating Leadership, and connect with you online. Well, thank you, uh, Meredith. Again, it's pleasure to be on here. Um, you can actually uh, look on a site called acceleratingleadershipbook.com and find out more about the book and, and myself and, and Eric as the authors. Uh, you can look at my uh, website, opnacoaching.com, O-P-P-N-A, coaching.com, uh, and find out about me, the services I provide, and, and the like. Or there aren't a lot of Lance hazards out there. So you can look at uh, me on LinkedIn and, and join me there. So Great. And on the show notes page for this episode, we'll include links to your various social media sites, as well as your book page that you mentioned. And we'll put a link to the book on Amazon too, uh, along with your website. So Lance, thank you so much for being on the program today. I value everything that you shared with us. And I know our listeners have enjoyed that too. Meredith, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for, for hosting me. You bet. Thanks for tuning in to the Strong for Performance podcast. Now head over to growstrongleaders.com to learn how our tools can increase your impact with clients and expand your business. And while you're there, grab our free ebook, The Five Secrets to Getting Better at Anything. Until next time, I'm Meredith Bell. Make it a great day.